can you see me? Oh, there we go. There you go. How you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Blizzard today. Blizzard today? Blizzard. 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 Oh, okay. I thought you said lizard today. Oh, no. Like, you well, can I lizard would... any day. Any, well, any day is lizard. Yeah, lizard. <laughs> blizzard today, though, yeah. Oh, damn. Wild, man. Did you get your uh, furnace figured out or what? Yeah, I got my furnace back going. It was pretty rough uh, three days of, of, of sitting in my room with a space heater. And I actually just got a puppy two days before that. Oh yeah, it's gonna be that thing's gonna freeze. Yeah, so it was it was a little bit scary, and I had a couple people coming in and out trying to fix a thirty year old furnace in this old house. Right. And uh, it, the clock was ticking because a couple of days later it was gonna be twenty nine. Oh. I think a little bit colder than that, and it was a little bit uh, it, yeah, the clock was ticking, but they fixed it just in time. And now I'm happy to join you on the on the wonderful podcast. <laughs> That's wild, man. Yeah, I was just thinking about you and that blizzard last week, and I was like, oh, my God, it's going to get crazy here, too. And, like, it was not crazy in California. There's all this hype around this this blizzard coming. Not blizzard, but, like, uh, crazy cold rainfall. Front. Yeah, very yeah, cold yeah. And, a lot of, and, a, and a lot of rain, but we didn't see – I don't know. It's fine. It's fucking kind of hot today, actually. Like, oh, yeah. perfectly honest, it's a little warm. So I feel What's bad. I know I feel bad, and uh, for you, and I'm thinking about you. But I've been recording this whole time, Kevin Basco. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. You are highly requested. No problem. Oh, really? A few people That's... have asked for you. Yes. It's, it's just been me. It's been me just commenting under under false names. False names. False it's, it's YouTube. All... Other YouTube channels you have? Yeah, it's all my my burner accounts. <laughs> I actually do have some weird YouTube accounts about. I post. A, I used to post a crazy. You know what crazy bones are? No. What's crazy bones? They're like these. They're these things. Um, in the in the early two thousands, they were like kind of like marbles, but right. they were little figurines that you get in these packs, kind of like Yu Gi Oh cards. You get packs of them, and right. you like flick them. You collect them, and you fl you play a game. There's a whole thing. Yeah. There's a whole culture behind it. And I just last year in my boredom, I started buying on eBay. <laughs> Um, unopened packages of the yes. original ones and and filming um unboxing <laughs> a couple a couple crazy bone accounts on on all over on some people have found them on different on different uh different platforms i love my it. crazy my crazy bone fandom oh man but that's been I, how i spent my life. i love it man hey you never know with those things coming like everything's making its rounds again those could become yeah. valuable man that, that like pokemon be. cards yeah pokemon, pokemon i have some in my parents basement the Pokemon card trading world is is about to blow up. If you listen to Gary V, he's been saying it for the last six months. Yeah, it's like the GameStop stock shit. It's, it's, <laughs> it's all coming. It's, everything is just uh, the nerd culture is has gold are, in it. Are you involved in any of that stock uh, drama? Do you have any money in the into the market no. at the moment? No, not no. I don't. I don't. I'm not really. I'm honestly still very confused about what's happening. But I know okay. that. I, I do like I do enjoy Reddit uh, occasionally for just um, just for the the entertainment of it, you know, right. not for the not for the conspiracies or the craziness of it. But I like um, I like the fun of it, the funny parts of it, and whatnot. Right. But uh, so I I kind of was watching it unfold and then watch it kind of like what happened with the Capitol thing. Like I was watching the news and then just, and it's weird how you when you watch something live like that you see the ripple effect of like everyone around you start to talk about it. Right. So it's like occasionally you could be in the right place or right time where you're seeing it unfold. 
And I felt like I was starting to see the GameStop thing happen. Like I saw people posting about it and then it became everywhere. It just became this big thing. And I still yeah. don't understand it, but I, <laughs> I know that it's, um, I feel like I'm on the side of the people with the GameStop though, right? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, the, the people in the, the, we have to be, I mean, we it's, have it's, to be. they're just what, they're just sticking it to the billionaires. It sounds like it, man. It sounds yeah. well, these billionaires, they place bets on companies to fail, which is one, fucked up. Two, yeah. they're like selling shares that they don't even own. It's like they're lending these shares and selling it to someone else. And they yeah. have to pay back the people they lended at the value it's currently at. So if it goes yeah. down, sure, yeah, I'll give you a few dollars when you've sold, you know, and I'm making $20 off it when I only have to pay you back $2. Okay, that's yeah. that's the scam, and now it's like, wait, I borrowed yeah, it. For, everyone's catching in on it. Yeah, and now shit, it, yeah. now I owe you three hundred dollars a share, and I bought millions, and yeah, I'm screwed. You explained now. it better. I, I've seen, I think I've seen the Big Short like four times, and I still <laughs> didn't understand what the hell Margot Robbie was talking about or any of them. I didn't know what they were saying. Yeah. I just knew, I just knew that it seemed like uh, there's some bad people doing stuff. So I think, I think that's that's still my position. I no, know I, there's some bad people doing stuff. I think I explained it correctly, and maybe someone who's watching this will tell me otherwise. But yeah, yeah, I think that's what's going on. I do not have any money. It sounds right. I do not have any money in GameStop, but I do have Dogecoin or Dogecoin. Oh, you do Dogecoin or Doge? Yeah, do, 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 Dodge or Doge. Yeah, I think it's Doge. Maybe. Yeah, I don't okay. get that either. I know there's like there's like garlic coin, and there's like <laughs> all kinds of coins. Seriously, there's all kinds of crazy currency, yeah. cryptocurrency, which also I have no 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 knowledge or stake in i know i have a couple friends who bought bitcoin early on right. and my cousin tried to tell me how i could at one point i could with my computer i could like mine mm. a certain kind of currency it, it's it's i don't know I, again i i am so not i just kind of like watching it from afar it's it's more entertaining than the, than the currency probably be worth to me so we can it's, get it's a, more so we're expecting a basco coin Oh, that'd be cool. or, or RBG coin. Yeah, RBG point. coin. Yeah, rubber band coin. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> cool. Yeah, I would. I would make some kind of currency. I mean, it's all gonna. It's it's, it's like it's like them. It's like the way that the streaming services are going. Everyone right. has their own. Like everyone has their own little thing. It's gonna be the same thing. Where we're gonna have our own money with our own little face on it, or whatever. And we'll eventually just get back to the barter system where we're just making bread for each other. Yeah. Or whatever you know. That's that's okay. I'm it's okay gonna have to explode at some point. We can't just keep going yeah. up and up and up. It's like Willy yeah. Wonka. It's eventually, we're gonna bust through the ceiling. And it's Did be you say mess. Willy Wonka? Dude, yeah. I have Willy Wonka on. Look at wait. I don't know if I, if this is against the rules of the podcast, but no, oh, wait, you can show it. it. How do I switch it? Oh wait, I don't know if it. Oh, here we go, dude. No lie, you can see. Uncle oh my Joe. God, Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe, Uncle Joe. Yeah, Grandpa Joe. The biggest. Put it on. I'm like, what am I going to just kind of have in the background? During this <laughs> it's going to give me a little warmth. Well, it's, it's a very, it's kind of Christmassy in a oh, way. Yeah. Willy Wonka. Yeah, it is kind of Christmassy. Yeah. Going out like, like, like cats and, and dog coins. Right. It's, it's, it's really warm down outside. So that's crazy. So. I, I went to go see uh, uh, Willy Wonka at the drive in a few months ago. Oh, cool. I thought you were going to like a band. I was like at, at like a show. I was like, dude, I went to like a totally maskless show and we're just, yeah. you know, that's how it is. Uh, if you're an LA influencer like myself, you just throw COVID parties and yeah, super yeah. spread that shit around, man. Yeah. How's, no, the, how's the drive-thru scene though for movies? I, I have yet to do that. It's fun, man. Like I think, 
I've talked to a few people about it. Well, I've talked, I've like randomly have talked to like British people about it on this podcast, and they're like, "We don't have that here. That's like not a thing." Oh, really? They're like, wow. it's like that's a very American 1950s going to the drive-through kind of thing. You yes, know? it is. It is Americana. Yeah. It's really Americana. Totally. Diners and drive-throughs. <laughs> it's very Guy Fieri, man, and it's yeah. it's awesome. Like, uh, it was Willy Wonka, and then the second showing, I think. Oh no, it was Wizard of Oz, and then the double showing was Willy Wonka, and we fell asleep during Willy Wonka. Ooh. But yeah, you usually get out around midnight. Everyone's in knocked out. You just bring your own food, bring your own drinks. That's cool. Like, there's yeah. some parallels there too. Willy Wonka and Wizard of Oz. There's some. Yeah. There's some real hero's journey, uh, cyclical world, uh, yes. magic stuff there. That's cool. That's a good good pairing. A good yeah, double feature. That's a good double feature. I was like, okay, I normally don't really want to go to the drive-thru, but because of Corona and because of uh, that lineup, stacked. Because usually at yeah, that drive-thru, yeah. they have Gene like, Wilder, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the legend. Um, okay, yeah, sorry, but uh, for people who are listening, uh, you are a musician. Where are you living? Where Where are you? I'm in Philadelphia. Music? I'm in South Philadelphia. I've been, I moved here Born in March raised. 1st, 2020. You from, are you from Philadelphia? Is that what you said? No, no, I was making a Will oh, Smith. Oh reference oh oh yeah 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 no i mean i'm i'm a i'm a jersey guy at heart you know i've, I've lived in jersey my whole life um right. but philadelphia is kind of in a sense a, an extension of jersey if you will um some people from pennsylvania might dispute that but it's definitely a very uh similar uh similar part of the world very similar right. lifestyles of people who are here um but i really love it and again i moved march 1st 2020 so i moved like 15 days before things got locked down yeah um and I'm glad I did though because I kind of got it. I mean, I'm obviously I moved partly here to 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 kind of you know see what what Philadelphia is about, right? Community. I have a lot of friends here and stuff, and and sadly, you know, it kind of put a little bit of a damper on that, like everything. But um, I've really uh, I've kind of, this is like my home studio I'm in now, and and right. I've I've got a couple. I've got like three floors of different. Got the drums in the basement. I got my uh, some more of my guitar acoustic stuff upstairs, and. I have like a bunch, you know, the wires rigged and everything. So it's been, Whoa. it's been a fun, uh, kind of figuring out how to get the, the house kicking on my own. Right. A lot of guests and checking, you know, as you imagine, because not a lot of people are assisting nowadays or, or, or helping engineer. Right. So, um, but yeah, I'm in Philadelphia and it's, it's been, it's been great for the most part. I mean, it's been, I mean, great as far as, as my new living location. Right. Um, cause I was making records in my parents' house for essentially my whole, my whole life when not on totally. tour. So it's kind of nice to have my own my own pad for now. That's awesome, man. Uh, Philadelphia is a really awesome place. Like, what was so? I guess you said community, but for what other reasons did you think Jersey is, is the next step going to Philly? Because they're pretty close to each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Philly's a lot cheaper. Um, right. Philly's very affordable to live. Not to, not to open the open the bottle there, but <laughs> um, it's really affordable. I mean, it's like it's like half the price in New York. It's wow. like, it's, it's very cheap. And New Jersey, living in New Jersey is also expensive because of the property tax. So it is kind of a, an affordability thing for me. And also cool. just the, I live in like the, the Italian market area. And so there's a lot of good food around here. Um, some of the best like delis that I've been to, especially Italian delis. Right. Um, and um, yeah, it's just got a really friendly vibe. I, I remember I walked around, you know, I, I would do, I've played a lot of shows in Philly throughout my life. And right. sadly not to, um, a lot of the times in, in the, 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 where the, some of the venues are, um, it it's not the not. I mean, I hate to sound like a like a yuppie or something, but it, right. it's not maybe the, the area that I would go to that one area and be like, oh, I want to live here as a young kid, a young guy. You know, feel like I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, taking over or something. You know, not gentrifying it or something. Right. But um, but uh, I checked out South Philly, um, where my friends have been for a while. 
And um, it really reminds me of Boston, which is where I went to school and I went to college in Boston. And it's very, it has a very similar kind of a lot of brick, a lot of friendly people on the street, the right. towns. It's, it's very, it's just a very nice um, community. And um, I think it's just one of those things that I, at a certain point, I was like, that seems like somewhere that seems not too crazy far. So I really, I mean, I love LA. I've been really thinking about getting out there right. uh, at some point in life, but New York to, or Jersey to LA is quite the jump. Um, I know some people that I have a couple of good friends that moved from New York to LA recent in the last year. And, uh, obviously they're, they're, they're loving it out there. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit envious cause I, I am, I am a huge LA fan. Right. Um, as far as, uh, just, as far as just like, um, what's the, what's the phrase? Um, what's the phrase I'm thinking of? Just, just, just the, your, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of health, not health of living. What's the word I'm thinking of? The quality, a, a quality of living quality of life that's yeah quality, quality of life, of life. LA, yeah everything about it you just feel a little bit more a little brighter and just the you know obviously the weather and the totally. food and everything it just it's got a a good a good atmosphere to it so i really miss la but philly's got something about it that that speaks to the new jersey part of me right um and that's why i call my studio historic new jersey because it, it kind of bring new jersey with me wherever i go like if i move to nashville I'm still going to be historic New Jersey. It's right. just all, these are all historic New Jersey recordings in my mind. So it's kind of the same, same idea where it's kind of, I can go to these places and maybe still bring a little bit of what I've, you know, where I'm from with me, which sounds a little corny, but <laughs> no man, completely. I completely get it everywhere I go. It's I'm people ask me about Santa Barbara almost everywhere I go. So I'm always, I'm like the yeah. fucking ambassador, whether I want to be or I don't want to be. So I completely, yeah, I completely it's, that's, that. you gotta be proud. I mean, and I yeah. wasn't always like that. Like I remember I went to Boston when I went to school and I, and I, and I, I remember, uh, I remember very clearly I, I said, I met some kids and, you know, uh, at, at school at, at, at Berkeley, there's a lot of different people from all over the world. And I remember I met one, one kid uh, from, from Oregon. And I remember I, I said, Oregon, yeah. And I got, I, everyone laughed at me. Um, and I'll never forget that uh, just because I felt like so uncultured in that right. moment. And I remember feeling like, oh man, I feel like such a, such a Jersey suburbs kid. <laughs> but, then, but then I started, when, when I joined Foxygen, I started to tour and see the world. And I, for some reason, like coming back home felt even more, I felt more proud. Um, and people that I met when they heard about New Jersey and, and they, they would, you know, pair kind of the same things about like Bruce Springsteen and then right. the, the boardwalk and all these things. And it kind of made me feel a little more proud of it in a way that uh, I didn't really feel, I mean, you know, going to college, like everybody, you want to kind of reinvent, maybe you want to, you want to try to branch out from what you're used to or what you, what you're known for. Um, so slowly I kind of, yeah, I kind of re adapted myself to being a, 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 a rekindled love of my home state. Um, so, but Philadelphia is really, it feels like an extension of that, which is what yeah. I would like about, about the town. Yeah. Philly's awesome, man. I think, uh, yeah. we played a uh, Philomoca. Have you been there? What was it called? The Philmoca or Philom? It's like the museum of, uh, or the mausoleum oh, of yeah, contemporary yeah. Museum? Yeah, 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 totally. That that's cool. Is, that's awesome. What area is that place? What area of town is that? Do you I know? I think if it's a museum I'm thinking of, I think it's like Northwest, I think. Yeah, possibly. I think it is. I've, I've only played, the ones I've played in Philly so far, Boot and Saddle I played, which which closed down sadly oh, yeah. this year. The last year closed down. Underground Arts is great. Mm. Um, Union Transfer is great. Um, I think the Electric Factory, I think is in, yeah, it's in Philly, I think. Um, I and think then so. there's another, one of my first ones in Philly was at this place called Ortlieb's, which is a small jazz club. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was one of my first rubber band gun shows and we played it with, awesome. with Spencer, Spencer Tweedy on the drums and we toured with Jungle Green 
um, one of my friend's bands. And, um, and that was a really fun time. That was like my first Philly show with my own band. And um, yeah, I mean, sadly, I didn't, I didn't really get a chance to obviously play any shows last year. I mean, no one did, but so I yeah. haven't really, haven't really got a chance to, to, to feel the ground. And sadly, a lot of those venues are not coming back the way they should or, or right. haven't been supported. Um, like, you know, boot and saddle being probably the right. biggest uh, to, to, to kind of have to close the doors. So, um, I mean, I have some friends, uh, West Philly is a little more um, as a, even more of like a younger college town right. area. And there's a lot of DIY talk of DIY spaces that are going to open up. Um, you know, people I know in that area are talking about how the, the game's going to kind of change when things start to open up again in terms mm. of what will be available. And, and kind of, they talk about it in a more optimistic way than I've even thought about it. Yeah. Whereas, what, what What's being said? What's the vibe out there on the I street? guess just the DIY. Yeah, I guess just the DIY is just going to be even more the norm. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it's it's pretty common across the country for, you know, underground venues and stuff. But I think it's going to become even more to the forefront of where people will be going, right. even maybe bigger, bigger bands and things people will be coming by that usually play places like Boot and Saddle might be playing house shows. Um, and that could be a really good thing for a lot of ways. I mean, obviously, in a world where things can be, you know, somewhat safe, you know, I mean, not not I mean, in the future where things I don't I don't really I don't really like to think about a world where show everyone's wearing masks and or like everyone's in their Wayne coin bubble like right. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I get that that's kind of cool and that's I get that but like I I'm kind of personally like holding out in my brain about when I feel really enthused about it until we can do it in a way that's not quite as compromised compromising right. obviously right. people want live music and I get that when, when we get to outdoor shows I think stuff like that's gonna be easier and stuff but I'm really like in my brain like I just really want to get back to where we can get close and sweaty and you know totally. all the shit that i kind of hated all the stuff that i genuinely hated about live <laughs> shows for so long like going to festivals and just being like pushing people off of me and like beer right. spilling me like i think a lot of people i kind of am you know kind of craving that that interaction now um that's kind of i guess how it goes you know yeah i think uh i think uh it's it's crazy it's just like if you do a house show no one's gonna follow a protocol like you hope and you hope people do that yeah. and so it's like if there's gonna be house shows and there's gonna be this big movement of house shows like yeah it needs to, everything needs to be like almost fully back to normal because people are just gonna slam in a fucking garage and it's, yeah that's a yeah start. yeah yeah but i do see i do see venues uh going like half capacity if it's a 300 cap room mm -hmm. maybe it goes to 150 with masks I could see that happening. And then festivals. Yeah, I think festivals will be back before anything. Outside, yeah. in the sun, with the vitamin yeah. D. Some people are talking about it for this summer. And in my head, I'm like, that's ah, a little too soon for, for my comfort. I mean, I, get, I guess the vaccine's going to roll out. But, um, I mean, there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. But just in terms of, like, uh, me being excited personally about it, I think – I mean, I also was – I spent, like, a lot of the last five years touring. Right. And so I, I kind of last year was going to take a break anyway. Um, in my head, like I, I was just gonna be like, okay, I want to focus more on, on the studio stuff, the production side. And, um, you know, when things start to, you know, this was even before COVID and I just, I really wanted to take a, take a breather from that lifestyle, especially going to Europe right. after a certain amount of time of going to Europe. Um, it's just like, I'm tired of all the currency switches and the different <laughs> languages and not knowing how, how to do anything, even going there for like the fifth or sixth time. I just like, there's something about it. I'm just like, I, every time I go there, I'm like, I really love America. 
That sounds terrible. I love no, Europe. I love Europe. But, it's but proud. Touring, hey, you're proud to be an American where at least you know it's, you're it's free. Hard, it's really hard to tour in Europe. I mean, the shows make it all worth it. Like anything, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's worth it. But but the lifestyle of touring in Europe in a in a van and you, you don't really get to see the cities much. I mean, it's just it's it's right. it's it's hard. And it's worth it, it's great, but it's also it's it's stressful and it's kind of like it's usually colder than I would like. Have you, you know, had- I go somewhere, yeah, I want to go to like Japan somewhere yeah have you had the time to go to europe or any of these other places without touring have you gone to any other state in america without touring like i think about that all the time like i haven't gone anywhere if it wasn't for the purpose of playing music yeah yeah but then you think how lucky you are that you get to travel and and totally for music and it's it's one of those things that uh you know i've had a lot of friends who who they've got opportunities to tour and, and, you know, they also have got opportunities to do vacations. And it's like, right. I know it's like thinking about it. I'm like, man, I don't know if I would even be like happy on vacation right. in, in certain parts of the world where I've toured because it's like, I don't, I feel a little bit spoiled. Like I love, I do as much as I might be, you know, kind mm-hmm. of talking down on, on that part of touring. I think that it, the, that kind of purpose, I mean, every day just leading up to the show, that's the kind of thing that uh, you can't you can't put a price on that and you can't put a, you know, I mean, people do, but you can't, right, you right. can't really, um, you know, that's, that's like your whole day is about the show. It's like this giant crescendo to get to this one event. It's like, it's like a weird, it's like a movie. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. like your whole day is just thinking about this event. And when that event happens, your whole night's just coming down from it. And I think that's, that's something that's, you know, I, I, I've like everybody, you know, kind of take for granted that kind of lifestyle in the last totally. year. But I think everybody coming back to it, when we get it going again, I think people are going to have more appreciation for it. I think that's kind right. of something that everyone's taken away from it. Like when I get it again, when we have parties, I'm going to hug you so tight, man. Right, I'm never right. going to let go. Like that kind of shit. You know, we're all going to be, we're all going to, you know, at least know what we lost for a little while. There so. were all these jokes leading up to New Year's Eve about it's going to be the Roaring Twenties. And it's like everyone had a yeah. Roaring Twenties theme for New Year's Eve. And I was just thinking, like, be careful what you fucking ask for. Because leading yeah. up to the Roaring Twenties was some dark shit. And unfortunately, this yeah. is our dark shit. So if we can get yeah. out of this, yeah. then this is the, dark. Yeah. If we can yeah, get out this of this, is dark, in the but next... it could be so much darker, too. <laughs> No, yeah, absolutely. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say. <laughs> what I'm saying is that, like, if we can get out of this, then we're gonna have some real fun in the next couple years. And uh, I'm very excited. Yeah. I feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and I don't want to hear another band bitch about touring ever again. It's like, hey, man, some yeah. of us like it. If you don't like it, yeah. don't go. Yeah. You don't have to tour. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think, yeah, I think, I think people will, people will, again, they'll, they'll, they'll know by the end of it if they, if they really enjoyed it, right? By the end of it, or if they want to do it, right? So, yeah, I mean, I certainly, it certainly wake, woken me up, uh, awakened me, woken me up. Sure, it's, it's done things to me. It's right. done thing. It knocked me and knocked me on my ass, like a lot of people. So, I definitely am excited to do it when it gets, when it gets rocking again. Yeah, you spent, so, the, you said you spent the last five years touring. Uh, you were supporting Jackie. What other projects were you in? You were in Foxygen for a while. We did Foxygen. Um, I've done a lot with. Um, well, we did a lot with Jackie. We did. We did probably like six or seven tours. Yeah. We toured with Wise Blood. We toured with Mac DeMarco. We t- I did a couple of tours with Lemon Twigs. Um, we toured with um, Adam Green in with, Europe. With uh, Jackie toured- opening for the Lemon Twigs. Yeah, with Jackie. Right. Yeah, and and Jackie. I mean, we, we've been fortunate enough to have some of what I would consider for that last few years some of the 
some of the, my, in my opinion, some of the best opening slots. Those I mean, awesome. in terms of being an indie band, I mean, obviously people like Mac, like, I mean, I can't imagine a, a more, um, uh, just a, just a, a a a better experience opening right. stage and and letting things you know opening up the night um and also the twigs alex cameron um right. molly birch um yeah and wise blood i mean all, these are some of my favorite artists so we've been right. very 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 privileged really to get those opening slots um and then the foxton stuff i mean that was right out of college uh, right. Rado asked me to join foxygen i was on my way i was graduating in two days from from berkeley and and uh, two days until graduation, I'm walking to the um, career development center to, to get um, try to get a job teaching um, in New York because that's where I was going to move with my girlfriend at the time. And um, walking there to get a teaching job, Radio texts me, "Do you want to join the Star Power Band?" Which would, which ended up being three to four years of work, like three to four years of touring, right. maybe three, maybe three years um, of pretty like like for for me at the time, like I was playing in a band called ripe um they're actually a pretty a relatively popular like like kind of jam funk band that i cool. helped start in berkeley and they've kind of taken off a lot since then and um and i ended up yeah i ended up just kind of stopping everything i was doing and and joining fox because fox was my favorite band at the time. right i had a true uh and I've, I've told this story a lot of times I, it was a true like almost famous experience in terms of being thrown into uh someone that i really idolized and a group that i thought was in my opinion probably my favorite band um, and, uh, yeah, so he, it, we ended up doing, yeah, about three years of touring with them. Uh, and some of them were like three months at a time. And I had not been away from my girlfriend or from right. you know anything for that long. And it was, it was a mix of feelings. I definitely, it was probably one of the greatest experiences in my life, being able to, um, jump, jump into a group that I idolized so much and, and learning so much about from them and, um, and just, yeah, getting, getting the touring experience, I mean, it was, it's kind of funny how it was, it was like thrown into these like headline, like big headline spots. Like, you know, I going from college to jumping in, like we, we opened for like the strokes a couple of times mm. at huge festivals. And, and, you know, we had a new year's show with the flaming lips. Like it, we, we played some, there was some, that was a, a, a very big time for Foxton, especially. And, and to be able to be there for it was, was a real privilege. And um, so that was probably some of my most rigorous touring um, the Jackie stuff was, was kind of a mix between, um, it was a little bit, obviously a little bit, uh, smaller in terms of the, we were opening and we were, we were, we weren't like, we were in a bus with Foxton. We were right. in a tour bus. I think we were in Stevie Wonder's tour bus. <laughs> um, we were in one of, so apparently Stevie Wonder has like four or five tour buses he tours at that time. And we were in like one of his five and we were all in there together, you know, in the bunks and stuff. But then for Jackie, you know, we were just in the van. We were in Rado's van and we would, you know, get hotels and stuff. And that was like just really kind of a, a, a little bit more um, of what, you know, most bands will go through, like most. Right. And then after Jackie, I started doing rubber band gun tours, which was we only did a couple tours, but it was really like that was like the closest to me doing because I was booking the shows. I was, you know, kind of TMing, if you'd even call it that. Like, right. And I was I was doing a lot of that lifting that I was kind of happy enough to not do before. And, you know, we would play to rooms of like 10 people sometimes, but it was so fun because I yeah. already did the other stuff. And now this was my thing. And I wasn't looking for something huge to happen. I really just wanted to experience it for myself, you know, in a, a little more intimate way. Yeah. So, you know, all that touring was just like, it's kind of funny how it, it, I hate to say it, it, it didn't get smaller, but it certainly started with a bang. Like the Foxton stuff, 
started big and then the Jackie stuff. And we put, we played for some amazing groups and crowds and, and, and acts. And, and it, that was an amazing experience, but um, definitely it was, it was in terms of the intensity of it, uh, the Fox and stuff was like, you know, right. Ball to the wall, like, like glam rock band. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I should, Sam would often say uh, what he wanted with, with, with the band. And he would often use this phrase that I love. I always tell people this, he would always tell me, he would, he would say, I want to be hard rock cafe. That's what I want the band to be hard rock cafe. <laughs> and I, I love that. Cause I thought he was so Sam is so in touch with, with everything about the group, the sound, right. the look, everything. There was so much thought put into it. I mean, they really went all out in ways that a lot of bands, rock bands now don't really, don't really do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, I mean, they, they, there was a lot of money going into it too. There's a lot of the, the funding for the shows, for the sets, for like, we had like bits and like right. skits, like it was a whole thing. And so that was a big way to start out of college. And then everything from there kind of got a little bit more, a little more, um, a little less dynamic, but still, I mean, obviously amazing experiences. So doing that, you kind of see every aspect and every level of the industry where you're playing festivals and you're the headliner and then yeah. you're the middling act. And then, you know, your own doing it yourself DIY, which leads to yeah. playing shows that maybe are under attended, but I don't know, that's a weird way to even put it. Like, it's just what it was. The shows are what they are. Yeah, no, and, it's true. I like, and, I like, I like reverse Benjamin button or maybe I just yeah. Benjamin button, some kind of indie <laughs> Benjamin button. I'm like indie, uh, indie weird Brad Pitt guy. Right. Uh, what's that's saying too much, but I, the idea be, yeah, it's like, it is that it's, it's, it's kind of a uh, experiencing the different levels. You know, ideally it would have been maybe in another world, where it could be a reverse thing where, you know, that's what right. most bands do, right? Like yeah, you yeah. Start, like, start small, you get the bigger crowd. It's weird to think that you start from the headlining and then, you know, you have some kind of fall from grace, but, but because they're all different acts too, it's, it's, I got right. to see a lot of different sides, different sounds, different collaborators, different, you know, just different brands. I hate to say How? brand with a band, but different world, you know? How, different like houses, different house sounds, how to sound check. Those are yep. massive things that you learn. Um, yeah. That, I don't know. I don't know if there's a live performance side of Berkeley School of Music, but like that's something that, you know, you just learn by playing a lot of shows, like how to yeah. sound check, how to what do you need yeah. from the other band members in your monitor? And yeah. yeah. And you see how, how more difficult, how difficult it gets as the smaller the shows are to hear yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. oh, my God. I mean, luckily, because like it's exactly that. Luckily, like because I, I, I've been like I could watch the other like I could watch when I learned. I mean, the first couple tours, I wasn't even thinking about well, how, like, like what I could learn about the process because I was just kind right. of in it. And I was just honestly soaking up the fact that I was there. I was right. just happy to be there. I was thrilled that I was even involved and I got to express myself on stage the way I, what I could. And, um, and then during the Jackie stuff, because we were taking a little, like, we didn't have a TM. Um, right. You know, Jackie was, the, Jackie was the TM and I was yeah, also that's what you have to do. Yeah, so I, I, I was kind of lo- – learning a little more of the lingo because we were a little bit more involved with the management side of it. Um, you know, I was starting to see a little more how the sausage gets made. And, and I, and eventually then for the, for the, for the RBG tours that were, you know, really um, small DIY things. And we had some, we did have some great shows. Um, but there was some, there, there was a sense of like wonder to it that, that was really amazing knowing how big it could go. Like knowing that, like, it's like, it's like I could see the roof because I was there but I knew where we were was right. so far from it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like looking at constellations or something. And I was trying to figure out where my, you know, where my thing would go. Right. It was a very, it was a very, um, 
but weirdly enough, it wasn't like, you know, you'd think like I would be bummed out, like, oh man, I'm playing, I play those big shows and now I'm playing to 10 people. But strangely enough, like I was so happy just to be trying it and knowing that it was my thing and knowing that I wasn't a hired gun, knowing this was my music and this is something that I put a lot of time into. And, and it wasn't about who was there. It was about that I was doing it for myself. So people ask me sometimes what my favorite tour was. And some of, obviously the, the big tours are so significant and meaningful so memorable, to me. So memorable, yeah. Yeah, it affected my life in ways I can't explain. But some of my favorite tours, I would say one of them was was the band when when um, my my RBG boys, they're just a bunch of, Jer- it's really just right. a bunch of Jersey boys. That's all right. it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's my friends from high school and me, and we went down to Nashville. We played three shows. We played a show in DC at a house. We played a show, um, we played two shows in Nashville. I think we did another one too. I can't remember where it was, but um, we, played, we, we, we did the final one at the Basement East, which is kind of a nice venue, a decent venue. In, in no, it's not. It's, it's a nice venue. It's I not like a, it's not like the big basement one. It's the smaller right. one. But um, uh, and, and, you know, there was probably 30, 40 people there. And that was such an amazing moment um, to be able to put it all together. It felt like it felt like I made a like a baby. It right. felt like I had something that was real or a plant or something or cooked a, cooked a meal all to myself. Versus the other things where it feels like, you know, I kind of felt like a waiter or something in a good way. Like I felt like I was part of this experience with Foxygen and with Jackie, where I was part of this um, brilliant ensemble. Right. I was part of I was just happy to be there. But the thing with with RBG was just it was like this was my expression. You know, this is my chance to to give it a to give it to give it a whirl Um, and knowing that it wasn't going to be, you know, it wasn't the expectation didn't matter because. I had already hit these highs with the other bands. It wasn't about that, you know? Yeah. It was just about the expression, the art being able to play live. Um, that's amazing, man. One of the things I wanted to go back to actually was, uh, how did you meet Rado and how do you get this text? <laughs> asking- my oh. oh, my dog. It's okay. Wait, you want to see the dog? Sure. Here, let's look at the dog. Oh, <laughs> very cute. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh, that is so cute. What, what kind of dog is that? I'm not. He's a, a little Boston Terrier. There you go. I'm bad with names. He's a spunky boy. His name's Jones. Oh, that's so cute. All right. <laughs> he might go. I'm gonna bring him upstairs. He can bring him upstairs. Um, sorry. What did you ask? So, so I was gonna say, how do you? How did you meet Rado? And how do you just get this text heading to your career I'm gonna, development? I'm, just gonna sit, I'm gonna sit with the dog. I'm gonna sit with the dog, and I'll okay. answer your question. Me a boy. Um, so I met Rado. I went to a, a Diane Coffee show. Cool. Um, this was this was Sean's first ever show. This guy. <laughs> this was Sean's first ever show in New York at this place called Pianos. It's right. This place. This venue, Pianos, great venue in New York. Um, may or may not be open. And um, essentially, uh, I took a bus down um, to see this show because I was again a big Foxion fan, big Diane Coffee fan. Um, I took a bus down from. Boston, like a six hour bus, terrible, like mega bus. You know, I used to do that a lot, really crappy trip, you know, takes forever. Um, and I got there just for that show. I, I skipped all my classes. Right. And um, I saw Rado at the bar at pianos and I approached him and I, I was just like, Rado. And, and it's something yeah, that yeah. It, was, it was just this thing. It was this thing. And Rado's told me it just felt like, we knew each other. That's we had very classic. Very, we had this very, and that's still how I talk to him. Like it's, totally. it's, we, we had this very, uh, yeah, very, very good rapport with each other, very quick with each other. 
and we talked um, about gear for a long time that night. Cool. Um, and he was like, yeah, let's grab lunch tomorrow before you get on your bus. So we went to this, the next day we went to this diner and I was, I was like kind of nervous because like this was, this guy I, I really looked up to and, and he was being way nicer than I ever thought a, a musician would be right. who I idolized, especially someone who was like, in, in a sense, my contemporary, like only a couple years older than me. Um, and yeah, so the next day we got lunch and we, uh, I, t- I told, I essentially told him because I started rubber band gun about two months before that. Mm. And I had a couple demos that I sent him and I was really, I was heavily inspired by, um, by cassette recorders at the time right. and multi-tracks because at Berkeley, nobody's using tape. Nobody right. uses cassette machines. Nobody using Porta studios. Everybody's using pro tools. And they're, you know, big studios with the glass where, where there's, you know, you're the artist is behind the glass and the engineers on this side of the glass and you don't cross, you know, it's like, there's a, I mean, I'm exaggerating this. There's, right. there's a pretty, there's a pretty big division in terms of the jobs you have. Not a lot of people were doing DIY recording. I mean, they were, but it was like laptop Ableton stuff, you know, right. um, but nobody was using tape and nobody was really thinking about it in the way that I was really drawn to. Um, so I was sending, I started sending him demos, um, from cassette machines that I was, that I was using at the time. And, um, he really took to them. He, he really saw the songs for what they were, which was really awesome because I was sending them to some friends who being at, at music school couldn't right. get over the little, the little bit of hiss that there was. I mean, I had some friends that were very supportive of it, but totally. others that were like, Hey, I'll help you make it sound better. Kind of thing. And I'm, just like, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm figuring myself out. Like I'm figuring right. out how to do it myself. Like I don't. I love collaborating, but like, I also, you know, I, I like doing it myself. And then how old are you at this point? I'm at, at this point, I think I'm 20, 21, 22. Yeah. You're figuring shit out, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went through, my, yeah, I yeah. went through a lot of my life, um, kind of not want, I mean, I did some stuff in high school with, with some Porta studios, which not cassette, it's like digital Porta studios, right. but I was always trying to be like, I want to be a songwriter and there will be someone who will know how to produce, record arrange all that stuff. And at a certain point going to Berkeley, I realized that, um, that I, well, I joined a band where there were nine people in it and nine music school kids, all very, very smart. But at a certain point, there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen. You can imagine a lot of people trying to get what they want out of their, at, out of a, you know, a nine way split of a pie, you know? And at a certain point I was like, it doesn't feel cohesive anymore. It feels a little bit, just from my point of view, right. it feels a little bit like we're compromising at every turn, which is fine. And, and, and the stuff was great, but as someone who I, I started to want more. So that's what really kind of started the me and Rado uh, interaction was I was really just trying to um, get his opinion on what I was doing and, and to, to let me know if he thought that there was something there because I really held his opinion at such a high regard. So um, he was very supportive of it. He was supportive also of like equipment um, that would really help based on what, you know, music that we, we, we had very similar taste in music. And he's always been a very, he's always the guy, and you know, that Rado, he always knows a band that you don't know that, that he's happy to share. He's yeah. happy to tell you about it. Um, and he's happy to like, you know, help, help you, you know, find something new. Um, Cause he's just, he's like a music, he's an audiophile. He's, he's totally. a real, he's a real music nerd and to, to the core in the best way. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how we hit it off. I mean, when we, when we were touring, we, me and Rado really had a lot of similarities in terms of our, just our, our, our lifestyle. Like we, we both really love ramen and like, and like good food. And we, we really love just like 
music and talking gear and like, you right. know, it, it's, we had a very, we took each other pretty quickly. Um, so we became pretty close over the years and, and, and we really, um, yeah, we, we, we really, I like to think that we push each other. I, he probably pushes me more than I push him, but, right. but um, we, we, we have a really, a really uh, fun work. We've done a couple records together right. that have been really, um, really fun. And he's probably the only person so far I've actually let produce me. Mm. Um, not out of me not wanting to work with people, but just out of seeking people out and people seeking me out to like right. collaborate. And most of the time when people want to work with me, they're not necessarily interested in the production side of it. They want me to do that. But Rado being the, produce production whiz that he is um you know and he, he's been in with me since kind of the beginning of what i've been doing so he really understands the kind of i hate to say the brand but he understands exactly what i want with it you know and totally. the kind of point of it so he really gets that um and that's why you know that's why i love him so are those records out the ones that you've worked on together yep there's one record called girl cop which we oh, did yeah listen to that one we did that in um we did that in we did that in 2015 or 2016 after Foxton touring, and then I sat on it. I actually pitched it to labels, and he right. pitched it to some labels, and nobody really wanted it because it's kind of like a a a, a, a cop opera meatloaf esque <laughs> mix of little Beach yeah. Boy stuff. At the time, right. it just wasn't really what I think people wanted, and that's cool. I mean, just at, at the time, also uh, the labels in general in like 2015, 2016. I feel like. Maybe it's naive to say, but it feels like there's like a million labels now. It felt like right. at the time there were like 10 labels. Right. And now there's like a lot of people that I would never have even thought of. So um, um, that was that was when we made we made one also uh, la uh, ooh, two years. I keep saying last year. I keep forgetting it's not 2020 anymore. I know. We made one two years ago, 2019, during the RBG 25 challenge. And we made one that was um, with the Lemon Twigs and with Sam France and Jackie. And, we, and this was kind of a fun collaboration. It's called, it's called Cash Is Out. It's actually, it's unreleased on, it's, it's on, it was on Bandcamp. It's gonna be out with a label, my first label release. Oh, wow. Um, later this year, it, it hasn't been announced yet. Um, oh, the <laughs> are we allowed to say it then? I mean, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> how, long, how long until this comes out? How, what's your, what's Tomorrow? Your, Tomorrow, that's <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah, okay. no, it's fine, I, I won't say. It's fine. I mean, people are wondering about it. It's okay. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. It's gonna be announced in the near future, so it's okay. Okay. But um, that record's gonna be out um, for physical at some point soon, right? Um, or at some point this year, which I'm really excited about because I have yet to have any. I did a tape run of an album I did with this uh, label called Windspear. Really great. Really oh, great. Oh yeah, I love Windspear. I love Windspear. Yeah, we did. We did a release of an album called Making a Fool of Myself. Um, that was probably back in 2014, 2015. Um, and that was an EP I did with them that we put out, um, on tape. So this will be my first like actual vinyl release. And I'm can we, can we say, it. can we say what label is releasing this next? Yeah, record? I'll say it's with Earth Library's label. Okay, um, cool. Earth Library. I really love Earth Libraries. They have, they have, they've actually signed a lot of records that I've made, in, um, with people in the last right. few years. Um, a couple of records in mind, uh, the, uh, the Star Moles records they signed, they signed this record by one of my friends, um, Al Heaney with his name, cool. Essential Forever. Really amazing, like Phil Spector, Wall of Sound, Ooh. like Dio kind of vibe, like really cool stuff that they're going to put out with him. What's his name, um, Al? Al Heaney, H-E-A-N-E-Y. Yeah, the band's called Essential Forever. Okay. Really cool. Essential Forever is really cool. It's That's going to be out probably before my record comes out because they've been in the swing and talk for, for a cool. while now. But that stuff's really cool. We produced that record in my parents' basement um, two years ago. And... Um, 
I also made a record with um, with Sam France um, that I'm probably one of my favorite records I've made. Um, right. I don't I don't know how much of it I can give away talk about, but it, it's, he, it's he and I are supposed to meet up, and we keep saying let's meet up, let's meet up because he wants to announce it, and we'll do a podcast. Yeah. But well, like, he's got he's got a couple he's sitting on. He's got a couple yeah, records he told he's me on that him. are amazing. Yeah, um, and I'm really like I'm 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 I've been kind of pushing him to be like like. You got like Sam. I want this shit in the world. Like the world right. needs this shit. It is good, uh, and not that he doesn't think it's good, but I think he's trying to obviously like everyone navigate a little the new strategic. World yeah, a little strategic. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that. Yeah, but it's been it's been um it's been you know I really I made a lot of records that at the end of 2019 and that are slowly starting to see the light of day through right. labels. I mean, obviously the label the label uh, you know they have a schedule. Is, yeah, they have a yeah. It's it's schedule. like it's even slower than normal. Like it's right. used to be. Right. And that's something that my see that's something that I've been I my whole life of RBG has been not so much resenting labels, but I've been like a little bit like well, you don't want this one, uh you might like this one. And it's kind of this constant that's right. why I keep making things. I just want to it's it's almost like a constant search for approval, but it, it it's more my approval that I really want in terms of liking it, and that's why I was, I put it out. That's why I don't make a record I, and, and sit on it and shelve it. Like I'm not like I'm not Flea Foxes. I can't spend right. six months making a record and then just shelve it. Like in my opinion, like if I made it and it doesn't make me completely di- like cringe and die, I'm gonna put it out. And even if I don't think it's like the greatest thing I've ever made, I think somebody might like it. You know, I mean, because a lot of times I'll put something out that I never thought anyone would like and someone likes it. And it's like, wow, I'm glad I didn't let myself keep myself from like curating it. Like right. I, I'm the curation that I'm doing is the fact that it's just me. It's just me playing the instruments producing, you know, I don't, I don't have to, I'm not going to piss off my bandmate, you know, it's, it's me. So at a certain point, like I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to make this like airtight discography that every right. record is every song. Like I've w- welcomed the fact that there are many songs and records that a lot of people won't like, but I think there's a lot of ones that they would like that they may not have heard if I, if I let myself keep myself from putting it out. That's why I love Bandcamp so much because Bandcamp has been, Bandcamp has been probably the single greatest tool to my, my career in terms of uh, uh, quickly putting it out, letting me recoup the money, uh, most of the money at least, and letting me, you know, kind of, to put it in my own words too, like having a platform where I can write about it um, and and share it, and you know, having a, having a domain that I'm not paying for. It's like it's kind right. of like priceless. Like if I didn't, ha- if I had that in high school or anyone did, you know, I feel like you'd feel like you could. It's almost like a diary entry. It's right. like you can keep putting stuff out. So that's kind of my that's that's a big so RBB. Oh, sorry, you say so. Yeah, so the idea of making records and pitching them to labels, it's like trying to get your music out there and express yourself like and i've had i've had a lot of no's i've had many no's in my time of of, of my career pitching records like is this the birth of the rbg 25 just kind of trying to pitch records okay no one wants it fuck it let's just drop them well well the rbg 25 started with rado essentially rado this is how it started if you want to hear a little history of it yeah let's do we were we were at my parents house staying we had we were on the jackie tour for the lemon twigs and um, Rado, we're, we're looking out at the, the pool cover in the, my parents' backyard. We're, we're looking out the window, kind of just both peering out at it, almost like, like something out of like, like National Lampoon's vacation. Right, thing. right. And we're looking at the pool, like, like ah, it's like raining on, it was raining on the pool cover. Right. And there was a, a specific sound, like a sound 
of the big drops hitting the hitting like the, the cover, like the kind of, you know, rubbery cover. Right. And I was thinking, man, that would be a cool sound. I should make like a weird soundscape album or something. I was such yeah. a dumb comment. And Rado then, I don't, Rado said something and then something else. I don't remember what it was, but then he <laughs> says, you should make like 20 records this year. You should just make a lot. <laughs> like, you should just make like a lot of records. Yeah. And at that time I was already putting out like probably three a year, three or four mm. a year. And um, I remember we we were driving then to D.C. and it became this kind of like it, it started as like a tweet. Like I was just talking. We, we decided to go 25. because It just sounded like a big it just sounded right. like a big number. Huge and number. It seemed like it'd be too much of a it would be a, it'd be a whole thing, you know, like like and it became this this very like amazingly entertaining thing for my year. Like it made my year. And this was a year when we were already touring a lot. But what was great about it was that. I would go on tour and then I'd come back and then, and then um, I would have all this kind of pent up energy, like, like ready to write. And a couple of those records I released on the, on the 25, um, I would write in a night. Like I'd come back, I'd get off the plane, I would pick up the acoustic guitar and I would literally just like, I would just sing something. Yeah. I would sing, I would write a couple words down and then I would improvise the, the rest of the song, the rest of the lyrics. I would just get like, you know, an A section. And then I'd, right. I'd write the chorus on the spot and I would write the bridge definitely on the spot. Almost every bridge I've ever written in Arbitrary 25 is written yeah. on the spot. There was no preconceived thought. Um, and so that was a lot of the 25, but there's one especially called, um, uh, what the hell is it called? I probably should, it's, somebody, it's called like, um, uh, uh, it's like a man in his late twenties. I don't remember what the hell it's called. It has a picture uh -huh. of me with a, with a Lilo and Stitch hat on it. Yeah. And that record was really special for me. That was where I really started to feel like not only was me having this 25 challenge, just a fun thing, but it was, it was really like helping me in like an educational way. Like it was giving me not only an incentive to write, but I was getting better. I was getting better at right. writing. I was getting better at recording myself. I was getting better at, at because there, I wanted there to be 25. I wanted them all to be a little different flavor. And a big thing I did was every record, um, and again, some of these were EPs. Some of these were had four songs, but some of them had twenty-five songs. Yeah, was there a um, minimum but, of like okay, it no, needs to have was at least minimum three? Okay, the rule was it was in this was in the initial tweet. It was the, the rules are they have to be at least three songs on a record uh, on on a release. Right. Um, there's another rule too. I don't know what it was. There's another rule too. But um, what, but the big thing was that made them for me work was that each record had something there was not that I wanted, that it was a limitation. Like mm. there was a couple, I did this album called The Amazing Spider-Man and on it, I wanted no kick drum and no bass guitar. Mm. So all I had, but I mean, there was still kind of a kick with, I used the low tom in a way. This was, in, this was in Dreamstar, which I think okay. you guys did. You yeah. guys made a record there, right? Yeah. This was, this is what we call the grave of Dreamstar. If I could, if I, if you could see it, it there was, there was shit everywhere. This <laughs> was not read up, set up, ready to go. There was, there was just, clothes and 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 curtains and drums right. strewn about and, and effects pedals like every this was not a usable studio right. but i used an eight track cassette that he had and i and i just and, and like two little mics i had like an akg mic and i just you know, kind of tinkered around with everything you know and it made like a toy album you know aptly called spider uh, amazing spider-man mm -hmm. and um you know that that was the big one for that it was the limitation of no bass guitar and no kick drum which thinking about that in hindsight it's like those are pretty essential things yeah for a record. rhythm yeah yeah and like another thing i did like a couple records i made um i was like okay i'm not gonna what was the other one i had oh yeah i was like oh there'll be no guitar on this there weren't always arrangement specific 
but there was often like a time that, you know, I'd be like, okay, like I a little make challenge it. inside of a challenge. Yeah, there, yeah, exactly. There were little things that helped make them, they're each their own thing. Um, such as like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to write any lyrics or any melody until they're all into all the instrumentals are done, you know, stuff right. like that. I just tried to like make little, little challenges. Exactly. Little, little parts that were kind of made it more of a game and also made it a little more. I mean, when I'm in my production techniques, one of the things that I steal the Mari Kondo thing, like it needs to spark joy. Right. Right. That's how, you know, something is good. It's, 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 it's a very, uh, you know, you can't even describe it when something works and something doesn't. And sometimes when you try to plan things out too much, it fails. Or not even fails, but it's, it does. It doesn't give you the magic that music needs. You know, you need to have something that just has that spark, that right. real feeling that is indescribable. The magic is the magic of music. You know, right. so it was constantly a, a search for that spark. Like, what? It, what is that? You know, what is that thing I need? Um, and that was a big thing that I think I took away from the, from that challenge and brought it into my production techniques and kind of, it kind of, again, that challenge really, if I, I recommend people, if they want to, maybe not the, if they will, if people want to try to do 25 challenge, I, 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 I implore <laughs> you to try it. It will help your, it, uh, well, I've been teaching some lessons on songwriting and production and having people write a song every week or, right. or write a new song knowing that you're going to show it to somebody knowing that you're going to have to workshop it really puts a fire under your ass to make, yeah. to make it something better. And that's, that's a really, really good tool for writing, especially if you can crank them out with a little bit of um, a little bit of regularity. I went through before some of the touring, this was in 2018, I think um, I, I, I stayed at my friend's house. Uh, I went through a bad breakup and I stayed at my friend's house for a couple months and I tried to write uh, five songs a week for a couple months. And I did, I wrote, I wrote a couple hundred songs and I ended up demoing probably 60 of them. And you could find mm. those on my Bandcamp with the, they're called RBG six demos, mm. three, there's three volumes of them. I think there's probably close to 30 or 40 songs there. And those are all demos I did um, uh, of, of the hundred plus couple hundred songs that I wrote in when I was there. Wow. Um, and that was intended, those songs were intended to be recorded professionally by Rado. Only one of the songs made it out off of that, hmm. um, and it's the it's the it's the title track "Cash Out," um, and and that's the 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 first song on Cash's or the second song on Cash's Out, the record that I'm going to put out this year. Um, but that was a big part of the Rado thing was was trying to figure out what we could do collaborate to collaborate together in a way that was kind of kind of like and well the point of Cash's Out is the name of the game. It's it's right name of the album cash is out. Like I was trying to make a record to sell to a label so I can get money. It was, right. it was very on the nose joke. A lot of the songs are about that. A lot of the songs are about, um, well, they're kind of uh, gambling esque also not, not unlike the, you know, the stock market, but right. um, pretty relevant, but um, it, you know, it, so it, but that was the kind of, that was the running gag as we were making the record was, was that, you know, this is my record where I'm going to, I'm going to sell out. I'm going to cash out and get right. that money, you know, I'm gonna get off band camp. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get a RCA, you know, and give me that big, <laughs> that big, uh, you know, R Kelly money. Right. You know, it's like, he so doesn't need it. Not, not really. Not, not bad, bad choice. I just remember, <laughs> I, 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 did, I think it was, this record though was shopped around and RCA liked it. And I remember really? being like, I'm never going to sign to RCA because they had R Kelly. And yeah. I was like, I'm never going to sign to RCA because I'm just going to be shelved. And then, and it, like, yeah. I, I hate that. I hate that whole, that whole idea of like, the major labels working with indie musicians. It's really, it, it, to me, it just screams, uh, 
bad idea, you know? Yeah. Uh, for me, at least. Unless, you know, because there's some people who have like 50,000 followers, you know, or whatever. And there's the people that are going to get, maybe help them out. But uh, yeah, in a way, it's, it's, you're almost set up to fail if you go to a major label so early or so quickly. Like, it, it's just the way the music industry works where they're investing in you and they put all this money into you. And yeah. it's like, will this record make us our money back or even break even? And then they're like, we don't know yet. So we don't know what to do with you yet. So here we're going to put you up on the shelf. And we'll, when we figure it out, we'll let you. And then you're sitting around like, what the fuck's happening to my career? Yeah, yeah. I, I, that seems that seems terrifying. And I mean, yeah. I'm already a little the bit scared. The point is to release the music. We want to yeah. hear it. Like that's Well, that's why I'm, I'm a big believer. That's why my... I get so I get a huge dopamine rush from releasing right. music on my own through Bandcamp, not waiting 10 months for the press cycle, right. not waiting for the pressing, not announcing the single and then the video. Like I'm going right. through that because I want it because I think this album deserves it in the sense of that's why I made it. Like I made it to be put through the machine. Like I wanted to I wanted to try to put something through the sausage maker and right. see what comes out. But knowing that I make enough other things that that's not going to be my be all end all record. Frankly, I, I still don't think it's my best record I've made and maybe not, I definitely have the best record I'll, I'll ever make, right. but it was made with the intention of being put in that environment. And I, I do want to see what happens with it. And, and I'm very happy to do it with a label like earth libraries, who's been very vocal about their support. Um, they've been very, very um, into the community that I've been in right. um, with, with people like from, I have this great friends in Chicago with the jungle green crew. Um, and, uh, some people I've met, uh, this guy made a record, this guy, Jake Elijah, who made mm -hmm. an amazing record with me. Um, he's putting that out, uh, probably relatively soon. That's a one podcast listener should check out. It's called the uh, little errands on, cool. on earth libraries, really great record we made. It's a really cool, really cool album. Um, but again, yeah, I think like there's so many labels out nowadays that it's just, it's just nice to yes. know that it used to feel so, uh, futile it used to feel so right. impossible and it felt like even if you did get that chance you're probably not going to get what you want I, I it just never felt like there was a while when we were making girl cop where i was really excited because i i this was when whitney first got signed right and i was like oh okay so like people can listen to and find the value in intimacy in a way that with indie music that wasn't always there like it doesn't have to be um, this huge production, it could be like, it could sound like the band and it could, and people can connect to it in a way that was really nice. And my, my record sounded nothing like Whitney, but it was the idea that right. it was the idea that something made in Rado's garage could <laughs> stir the pot, could, totally. could, could get people talking. And I'm sure you had a similar feeling with when, when you guys are making, it's something yeah. about like that. And also it was, it was, it was the excitement of, of what, how we work with Rado, which is the excitement of, of hearing things come to life in a way that has that spark. Um, and I remember, I remember actually seeing your guys, your guys tape, yeah. your, 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 your reel, you know, your, your half inch reel when we were doing it. Um, it was that I saw you guys reel. I saw uh, Brad Oberhofer had a reel. Right. Um, I saw uh, Whitney's reel when I went to Whitney's reel. I remember we I went saw, back uh, to do our, another single with Radar. I saw Whitney's reel. I was like, Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw, I remember Ryan Pauly. He had that LAPD right. reel. Right. Um, and a couple other people too. Um, but it was really, really cool to see. I, I think Al Cam actually had one too, but there right. was, there was some real magic in that, in that, in that garage. And I really think that it's like, I don't know, it, it, it made it feel like anything could happen. I think that's what records are the best part. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I make yeah. a record, like the best I feel is when I'm making it and it's like starting to come together and yeah. you're starting to hear it come to life. Everything after that to me doesn't matter. I mean, there's some great feelings obviously coming along with the release cycle 
and when you finally get it out and you finally get responses. Yeah. But there's a real high to that feeling that when you're making it and it's coming together and it's starting to kick, like it's that's a that's a feeling that for me the RBG twenty five was was like a it was like a it was like a drug overdose. Like it was like there was so many times uh, you know, I had that feeling where I was truly excited about what I was working right. on. It made me realize that there's 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 so much to be felt in 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 the process more so than than obviously the politics of it you know i I mean that was never a question obviously the magic is in making it but um it was it became so clear that year that that the process is where is where it's at you know it's it's really where where it starts to feel life-giving you know yeah so with any so with any drug overdose, there's always a come down. Is there a fucking come down when you make 25 records in a year? Well, it, it, there there certainly was a little bit of like when I did that last one it, and I, I uploaded it New Year's Eve, the, yeah. the 25th, the 25th one. My friend, uh, uh, one of my friends, Rias, who's now who's now uh, Rado's assistant engineer in L.A. Oh. He 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 was helping me at the time with that record, and he um he challenged me to the RBG too. Which is, um, which is uh, essentially um, the idea that last year I'll put out two records, which I did. I put out two records. Yeah. Um, and that was the challenge in of itself, to not put more than two. And there was a time, though, after that where I was really feeling – I mean, because I didn't make – the next record I made was this record called Adventure Violence Scary Images, which is my last record I've made so far, my last original record I've made. And that one came out in October. I self-released it. Um, and it took me a while though. Like it took me a little bit to get to figure out what I wanted to do with it. And what ended up being with that record was figuring out the sound of this house. That was what the thing is. And I think this is exactly what we were talking about before, where it's like, there needs to be some sort of not, not so much a challenge, but, but there needs to be, I don't know if I even say a theme, but there needs to be some kind of, um, rules put in place that give you an incentive to really dig into it. You know, that way it's not just something just like, oh, this is my next record. You th- think about filmmakers who they're like, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, like, you right. know, he's like, oh, I'm going to make this another Valley record or I'm gonna, a Valley movie or I'm going to make this record. This movie, I keep saying record, movie about, <laughs> um, about, you know, uh, what about uh, Phantom Thread, like, like about, you know, court, courtier culture. You know, it's like having these directions that you can really stir yourself in and like essentially putting a frame that you can fill like setting the frame, setting the size of the, of the, you know, of the canvas, so to speak. And, you know, that's really something that I find a, an immense amount of joy in. And obviously, I mean, you probably know as well, would definitely know as well. Anyone, right. any musician would know right. that with, with the, the up, up, you know, moments where you're really digging it, there's equal moments where you have the head in the hands and you're like, yes, this is not working the way it should, you know? And I think that's, that's like everybody. I mean, when you're whether you're writing it or you're recording it, there's those moments that that come, and I think that's kind of pushing through that. I always I tell people that I teach that there's a lot of moments like that. But what makes a writer really great is the ability to kind of use that. You know, I was watching The Last Dance, right? Uh, it's the Last Dance. It's yes. Michael Jordan. Like, like I, I took that personally. You know, it's the same <laughs> yeah. thing. You got to use that in yourself. You got to take uh-huh. that feeling. And you gotta you gotta use that as the fire. You gotta let let your let your own ass on fire. You know it's it's so that's kind of a big theme with my music is is trying to overcome something, even though there's really nothing 
there's nothing that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly privileged in what I've been able to do. Right. So I'm not, you know, fighting here from poverty. I'm, I'm really trying to fight my own, you know, mind. I don't know. I, I can't really figure it out. I guess I'll know. I'll know in 20 years. Ask me again in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing, man. What's that, what's that feeling like of, um, you know, working on a record and having, even if it's not your record, but having a label interested in some, it's like, do you feel a sense of pride when a, a project that you worked on gets signed? Oh yeah. Yeah. Luckily, like I think every record I've, I've made that I've produced has only been signed to earth library. So right. earth libraries has been kind of my home label in a way, like, and they're very vocal about how they want to, um, you know, they want to work with the community that we've kind of helped right. build and help facilitate it and bring, and these guys are just real music fans. Um, it's a, it's this guy, Brian and his wife, and they're, they're just really big fans and of, of music in general. And they're, and it's really refreshing to see such a, such a good take on it. And, and just, yeah, really caring about the community and the scene and seeing the value in it. Um, so every record I've made so far has gone with them. But when I, when I first got the word that they wanted to sign one of the records I made, which I think the, the first one might have been that Essential Forever Al Heaney's record, which I loved. Um, that that was a big, that was a really nice feeling because, again, it, it was a fun, like, like everybody, you know, in the music industry, whether you made it or not, you're searching for some type of validation, right. searching for some kind of check mark, whether it's from your heroes, whether it's from your friends, whether it's from a label or a fan. You want somebody to tell you it's good. Um, and that was a nice thing to finally check because again i've had a lot of people i've had labels tell me they like my records but then yeah. not sign them right and that's nice like i get that like i get i and, and i i do appreciate that i'm more than i'm you know i'm not just being like well you know screw you i don't you know yeah, if you're not gonna yeah. sign it i get that 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 labels have politics they have brands they need to fill they have boxes and categories genres styles looks like there are so many right. things that they need to find perfect and the culture, like what is relevant now? You know, that's a, a, a big part of what I, on, on the, some of the themes I wrote in my last record were about relevance and, and about what is that word mean? Like what, what connects with everybody? What's the zeitgeist for? Like what is, what is all of the, you know, there's so, there's so many genres. Are, are songs still relevant? Is Burt Bacharach still relevant? Right. You know, is Elvis Costello still relevant? Like what is, what, what speaks to people and, and who's to say? Because labels were once a gatekeeper. They were once the person at the door with the, with the you know, letting everybody like at the, at the gates of heaven, letting people in. And now it's not really, not really that way. So, right. but to see somebody who has that ability, who has the, the power to distribute, to give you money for photo shoots or help you with right. the, with the finding people with press. I mean, the thing I've learned over the last year, I mean, I've been expanding my RBG team with finally for the first time getting people, um, uh, like, uh, publicists and, and right. publishers and people that want to get involved at a different level that I, I have no idea. Like my, I can't even honestly get to the video part of it. Like I've had people who help me with it. My, 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 uh, I hate to say talent, but my interest and efforts stop when the record's done. Like right. I, that's why I, that's where my, everything else past that is not something I'm good at. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm kind of in the position I'm in, but to have someone like, like earth libraries or some of these people that I'm working with, know that what I'm doing is special, at least to them. And they know that they have what they, what, 
what I need to take it to the next level, to get into some new, new eyes and ears and to, right. to get people to, 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 you know, come to the table. So it's, it's a tremendous feeling to have people, people want to join the team because again, I've been doing it by myself for a very long time. Right. I mean, I'm an only child, so I'm used to the kind of tinkering away at something on my own. Um, I used to try to make like Spider-Man masks in my room. Like I used to try to make like, I used to, as a kid, I was really into that guy, the Prowler in the Spider-Man comics. Mm, yeah. Cause he was this kid who he would, he would make, he would make, he didn't have any superpowers. So he would make um, things out. He would make like weird gadgets and stuff for his, for, like, like wrist gauntlets and stuff mm-hmm. to fight crime. I used to try to do that. I would like try to like make these things and like masks and stuff and like gauntlet, like right. Spider-Man things. And I would love tinkering them by myself and trying to figure out the pieces fit together in that way. And that's kind of also why I love tape machines and love, you know, outboard gear and things that you right. can, you know, really get your hands dirty. Cause when I was at Berkeley, it was plug-in central and totally. I've only, only recently delved into like, I mean, in the last four months <laughs> delved into the plug-in world. And I've gotten actually gotten to the point where I, I know how to use them in tandem with what I'm doing otherwise. But um, man, at, Ber- yeah, at Berkeley, it was like, nobody had, uh, I mean, some people had some outboard gear, but it was mostly if it was outboard gear, it was to control the plugin, you know? Right. And right. it was, you know, I, but I have a huge respect and I've learned about, you know, out of the box recording. And that's to me, that's what, that's what, if anything makes records I make, in my opinion, sound like records. Like some people come to the studio and they record and they're like, man, it sounds like an album in a way that I yeah. couldn't get on my computer. And I'm just like, well, that's that and that and that and that and that. And that's, <laughs> all, that's, that, that's all my Foxygen money, not going to rent. Well, that's why I live with my parents for the first, you know, five years of being totally. out, whatever. And this is all the shit that I bought that's that's helping make things glue together in a way that makes you sound like things you listened to as a kid. So then so, you're, you're investing in yourself. The money you made from the Foxygen money, obviously, it, it gave you the yeah. opportunity to buy these things that will – yeah, make you money again. Like that's yeah. a massive investment that you did to yourself. And it's, and it's, the time. it's called betting on yourself, kids. For yeah. anyone listening, you have to bet on yourself for in these moments. Yeah, like, and I thank God I did because at the time, uh, the prices for a lot of this equipment was half. Right. Like now, I bought this tape machine here, this 16 track for uh, $500. Right. And I see them now a lot online for about 15, 13, 14, uh, sometimes more. Um, and I, I'm, I bought it from this divorce guy and I remember he was so happy to get rid of it cause he needed the money. Yeah. And I, I've made most of my, I mean, I've made all the records that have been signed on this machine. I mean, I, I've, I've never made a record. Um, I, I made a couple small things, but never, a, never like a real record that has not been on either this machine or my cassette recorder. It's always out of the box. And like I said, just recently I've started to figure out how to do uh, like stems into the computer and like figure right, out how to, how to, right. you know, just for my clients mostly who want a little more flexibility. But um, yeah, it, it, exactly. Said, it's, it's investing in myself. It's betting on myself. You know, it, it's knowing that I, I really, I love this stuff, you know, and I, I wasn't really trying to, I wasn't really trying to throw it away at the time for independence. Like a lot of people to try to get like an apartment in the city or something. Like I was really tempted obviously to like get out of my parents' house and right. try to, you know, Try to be a, be a you know a twenty year old or mid twenties person like everyone else and have fun right. time. Instead, I bought this shit and I stayed in my parents' basement. And but I don't regret any of it because again, it's 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 this stuff. I mean, while I'm gonna have to maintain it, it's it's to me, it's it's more than the sum of its parts. Like what you can get out of this stuff. And I've always been had a big you know me and Rado share this kind of legacy complex where mm-hmm. we're very concerned in a, not in a you know worried way, but very focused on what we're gonna leave behind. 
Right. What kind of records we're going to make? What maybe what our, what our Wikipedia will say in 50 right. years, you know, like what our discography is going to say. That's a big motivation. Um, so I see this stuff and I see potential for for something that's bigger than I could really think about, you know, or or helping somebody else make a record that they would never think about. And, you know, I, I one thing I pride myself here also is we have very, very not to do a little promo but at the studio. We, we have very affordable rates and right. I don't I don't it's rates that I don't want to even mention here. Right. But we don't charge hourly or daily. We charge by the song and by the record. Um, so that way we can really take time to get it sounding right. Because I, when I record something here with people, I really want it to be something that I would be um, proud to call my record. Um, and I know before I said that I would release anything, but I, I, I more so mean that it's, uh, it's the, bar, the bar is pretty low then, I guess. Yeah. But, but I, I really want it to be, you know, I, I want it to be something that sounds like a record. That's my biggest thing. I'm always yeah. like, I, I want to listen to it and, and I want it to be like, this sounds like an album. I think that's a big, you know, a big kind of hard to describe thing. But again, it's, it's that spark. It's that Marie Kondo, you know, you know it. Right. You know it when you hear it. If it sounds like an album, it sounds like an album. How exciting, man. Uh, I, I, I completely agree. And uh, I have some questions from the internet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, let's get into these questions. We answered. <laughs> we actually answered a lot of them. Yeah, I feel like we touched on a lot of bases, but go, yeah, let's, let's go let's for go. it. Let's uh, go. One album you're jamming out to right now. What album? Uh, record? Um... You know, I've been really loving Elvis Costello recently. Yeah. Um, obviously, um, uh, Armed Forces is amazing. I've been listening to that one. The uh, I think it's called Get Happy, the one, the, the big one with the colorful. I mean, he's just so good. I've been watching his music videos, too. Right. And there's so if you get a chance, uh, people watching, uh, watch Elvis Costello's like like the Get Happy videos. Like there's one for like High Fidelity. They look so modern. Like they yeah. look honestly like they look like they'd be. Um, like a very modern band, um, you know, they're, they're very, very straight. Also like for, um, for um, Oliver's army, I think it's called like, there's some ones that are just, you watch and be like, man, this looks like an indie band. Like, and this right. wasn't like the, this was like 79. Um, just, just the way that the, the camera cuts, the right. way that the shots are, they're like silly, you know, it, it's, it's like bands on polyvinyl would do that. Like it's very, you know, very, cute and you know indie but it's it's very vibey and the songs are obviously amazing i mean he's one of the he's such a great songwriter right yeah absolutely uh polyvinyl well i was oh i was gonna say uh one thing you said when you when you talk about your interest kind of stops at the end of the record one thing i would recommend and uh that I wish I would have done when I was younger was get into videography, just having an idea yeah. of like, and setting a brand for what you want visually. Maybe you just totally. end up shooting your own music videos, which is what yeah. I, which is what I taught myself over there, the yeah. last year. Yeah. And yeah, I picked I've got up some collaborators. Oh, I, picked sorry, up, uh, I picked up video editing way faster than I picked up pro tools. It's like, a lot yeah, easier yeah. than music. Like, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, did, so, do you edit? Do you edit the videos for this too? Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. really edit. I just kind of. Well, yeah, I guess not. But like, you do some of the up. some of the whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fixing the color and and yeah, syncing the audio. Yeah, I, that's all. Color. Like that's that seems like I have not picked up. Like I looked at iMovie like once, and oh, I was like, yeah. I made like a slide for my like grandpa's funeral, <laughs> yeah. and that was like, oh, the extent of my that was the extent of my like iMovie knowledge right um but man i i think it is it is a world i want to get into i've been lucky to have some collaborators that right. have been very knowledgeable we made this video for this song called the electric slide and they did an amazing job on it and it really 
made me feel like, I mean, not that I could do because they, they had like nice equipment yeah, and shit. Yeah. Um, but I, I was like really inspired that like hearing my music um, in that way, for a while I was so honestly, so against music videos for my music mm-hmm. because, because for honestly, I would make us make an album and then people would be like, well, where's the video? And I'm like, I just made this whole thing. Like you can't just be like, well, where's, where's the neck? Where, where's the important visual? It's like, no, just listen to it. Right. And like it. But now obviously as I'm getting older, I see the, I obviously see the value. And I think I was very stubborn at the idea that, that the audio wasn't enough, you know? Right. Yeah, I've released uh, an album, and then six months later, I put out a video. Everyone's like, this is awesome. What what album is this on? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's just like, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know. There's something about the video that people just love. And yeah. uh, I've, I've learned, to, as soon as I got that message, I was like, okay, let's buy a camera. Let's do this shit ourselves. Like, yeah, like you know, same thing, betting on myself. Maybe more video gigs come along. Maybe they don't. Maybe I just... Bought this camera and I started a podcast. I'm like, okay, it's all coming together now. Like, let's yeah, yeah, do something. But yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to another. Uh, can you show us how to do the electric slide? Oh no, I don't. That that, that, that song. See, the thing is, that song was just made me laugh because it was it was a song about a dance that like I was like how I was laughing at how many songs like that Drake song like slide right that, yes like like all these songs that tell you what to do but. Like the electric slide, like there, there's already a dance, but in my song, it's like, there's no, like you could do what you want. There's no dance. It's no like, there, it's like a, it's like a bad instruction. Yeah, there's yeah. like, you're not telling like the bridge, there's a vague instruction, but it's, it's kind of, it's supposed to be confusing. And that's kind of the, that's also the kind of the atmosphere of which it was created. I mean, this was like a mid COVID song. Right. That I just wanted a little spark of happiness and the idea of naming a song after a song that already had a dance kind of made me laugh. It's like the it's like I did, redid the Cotton Eye Joe, but it sounds nothing like that song. Totally, totally. And the tempo is too fast for it. It's like it's like it's, it's not really the same thing like so yeah, there's did, no did there's you, no dance for it. Did you think did you, about doing another challenge during COVID cuz now we have extra time on our hands like Well, not not necessarily. I the challenge the challenge has been living my life and paying rent. Right. Uh, that's that's, that's enough the challenge, challenge right enough. Now. Yeah, absolutely. In surviving in this climate. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I am trying to make, I'm trying to keep the creativity flowing at a time when obviously, you know, for a lot of people, it's, it's getting a little bit stagnant. It's getting a little bit hard to, to, you know, to find something to write about that's not just loneliness. Right. Um, so, uh, but I, I'm expecting some things this year that are going to be, um, you know, I'm, I'm always optimistic and I, in terms of my, my own music. And I, I feel like I would be really, I feel like I'm going to make my best thing in like 10 years. Like right, I feel pretty right. strongly that I'm going to have some time to mature. Cause I still kind of feel like my, like my instant, my, my Twitter RBG bio is like kid rock. So right. I feel like that's what I am. Like, it's like, it's like kid rock. Like I feel like a lot of my music is kind of, I, I played this really quickly. I, I played this show with, with one of my friends, Gabriella Cohen, incredible mm-hmm. songwriter from Australia. She's right. so good. And we played a show and she was one of the first artists who watched my band live and then immediately got it. She came up and she's like, oh, it's like a, it's kind of like a cartoon, right? Or it's, it's like, it's like mm-hmm. a, something like that where she used the word cartoon or like, um, or, or, or along those lines. Right. I was like, that's it. It's like, it, there's a, there's a juvenile aspect to my music that I really loved about bands like Foxygen, mm-hmm. bands like MGMT, bands like the Lemon Twigs, obviously, mm-hmm. where, I mean, I do it in a little more of a, um, of a self-deprecating solo 
guy way. Like right. I don't have quite, quite the, you know, the, also the partnership that those bands have. Those bands have incredible collaborator partnerships, like the brother aspect or the friends. Like I'm kind of doing it on my own in a way that puts me in a little bit of a different, like Peter Ivers world. Just me, it's a little more on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's kind of my, I don't know. I got off a little tangent there just telling that story, but I, I, sorry, I, I do that sometimes, but I, I know I really, I really like um, the idea of these little challenges being kept keeping going, but I don't think I'm going to do another 25 right, right away. Right, one day. right. Oh man. Uh, okay. Someone asked, does Kevin like hair metal? Yeah. Hair metal's cool. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing it takes more energy to not like something. Right. Than it's to true. like it. Yeah. And I feel like that with, with movies, I'm, I feel that way so strongly with movies. Like people can get such on a high horse with movies and like, or like Marvel movies. I'm like, I just love, like, there's something to love about it. And right. if you're, if you're, like, I, I, I'm gaining nothing by, by saying this doesn't make my list of yeah. greatest things. Like, what am I gaining? And I realized when I was in college, honestly, I, I, I was really, um, really like pessimistic about modern music. Like I was so, this was when maybe like people like, um, like, I don't know, if, no, maybe before trap, this was like, this was like when music was like, um, I got a little more EDM, a little more right. um, like that style. I was so pessimistic about the direction of music. And at a certain point I realized I'm like, you know, it's me losing out on this. Like the artist is not, is not doing anything wrong. They're making yeah. music they like. It's me that's not in on it. It's me that's not getting it. Right. Um, so what do I have to gain from deciding that this, that this isn't, this isn't something I can like. It may not be the thing I want to put on in my free time. But music, movies, all these things, it's like there are things you can like about it. If you meet it in the middle, if you even meet like a quarter of the way, you're gonna, you, you can find enjoyment out of it. And there's no point of not finding enjoyment out of, out of you know, media and art. Like there, it's, just try to find something you like totally. about it, you know? Yeah, totally. I think, I think uh, that was just a tough time, man. I know exactly the time you're talking about. I yeah. absolutely hate it. It was confusing. Yeah. As people who write songs, yeah. it was a very confusing time to see how much attention people can get from for EDM like that was so yeah. difficult cuz you can me, make but... that in Ableton very quickly and i'm not trying right. to belittle the whole genre there's right. some really amazing stuff in that like i mean there's some electronic music that is unbelievable absolutely but a lot of what was getting a lot of airplay and a lot of attention was stuff that didn't feel quite as you know i was watching this real quickly i was watching this thing the other day Todd Rundgren interview for right. uh, i think it was an interview with Sweetwater and he was talking about how there's always been these big swells and dips in music culture like you know before the beatles there obviously there was you know like there he i don't remember the names but there's some really crappy pop acts right and it was beatles big swell then after that it dipped back down it was like i don't remember what the, the genre was but it was there's nothing creative then right. in, as far as he's concerned there was prog pro, progressive music which, right. which was a big influencer thing and after that there was like disco mm. which was a big dip down according to him then <laughs> yeah. you know everything everything four on the floor everything kind of like the lyrics not having any depth them that's right. what he described and then you know after the after the disco depths it went up to um, it was he said um, the Seattle scene Nirvana right. grunge music next big thing then it went down again then it was uh, or no I think it was punk and then it then it dipped down then it was Nirvana right. um, and and now he's saying how we're currently in that rut and while I think that there is a lot of really good stuff out there I would agree that there's not really the the huge change like there's some amazing music out now but there is not that game changer where all of us are equally turning our heads being like this is the new thing obviously there's right. some amazing music that's mixed a lot of genres and you know i would argue that the next big thing is going to be the ability for all of us as dumb as it sounds it kind of reminds me of the time person of the year being the mirror it's right. like it's the next big p 
peak is going to be the, the ability for all of us using the internet to create something even newer. I don't know. I'm trying to like figure out what, what is the next big, like we all turn our heads and we shift what we do into that direction. I don't know. You know, I don't know what it's going to be. I also think this is such a weird time where can one thing do that? Because there's so much space and you know, that's what, that's where my ego has changed so much over the years that it's like, Oh, I'm fine with that band, even though they're not my thing, but there's enough for everyone to yeah. eat. Like you have yeah. the internet, mass amount of people, and you have an unlimited amount of people you can reach. Like there's yeah. enough for everyone to work. So it makes yeah. no sense. Like and it's true. Like it's like something that was like back in the day where there's only so many tours you could get on. There's only so many places you can play. Yeah. That's well that's a good really... back to the gatekeeping. It goes right. back to the labor gatekeeping, be able to decide yes. and siphon what goes out to people. There's only so many jobs available, but now there's yeah. so many different uh, avenues and venues. Like, it's just, yeah. who knows, man? Who knows if there would be that one thing? It's like, you know, if something that blows up on television, well, I don't watch TV. How am I supposed to know the big event on TV happened? Like, yeah, so many different places. Like, Well, one thing that I think is true, and this is something that I, a philosophy I live by, is the fact that, in my opinion, songs will not go out of style. True. And when I mean a song... I don't mean like a, you know, a vibe. I don't mean like a, you know, uh, and, an, you know, an ambient shoegaze vibe. You know, I, I think there's a place for that. But a song like John Bryan has, has made some really great things talking about how, you know, you take a Nirvana song, you take like something like, um, like lithium, right. you play, that, you play that on 20 different instruments and it will sound as beautiful as, as it, as, as it, as it would in its original state. Right. Whereas bands like, uh, you know, it's not to diss them, but like Led Zeppelin, they're more performance pieces. You go for that specific sound, that specific performance, that specific uh, attitude and vibe. You know, you you can't necessarily, I mean, you could have other covers of it, but that's what you go to the table for. And I right. think a really great song, um, you know, you, like a great, like Burt Bacharach or classic songwriters, you know, I think if you heard some of those songs today, they would still be relevant. They would still mm-hmm. have weight in a new way. And I think that's why a lot of great songwriters um, that are still making stuff um, while it's hard to break through to younger crowds in some ways because there's not like a vibe there, right. I think people like the Lemon Twigs, in my opinion, people who can write masterful songs. Um, and and um, you know, I'm, I'm maybe having trouble naming like a lot of bands nowadays who write who still think about songs that way. You know, right. not thinking about the vibe, not thinking about the production, thinking about the song. You know, thinking about lyrics, melody, and chords right. being this this core thing. Uh, that is something that's kind of like while I think it's losing a little bit of attention, it will always be there. It will always be true. You know, people will always, you know, feel, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, somewhere over the rainbow or, or the rainbow connection to rainbow right. songs. You know, songs that are like real songs, you know, they will always have weight and that's why there'll always be a place for them and they'll always touch people. And I think that's one of the big things that keeps me going is the idea that if you write a good song, um, it's it's there for good, and and right. it, it it's not going anywhere. It's not a good song won't go out of style, no matter what the production. Because you can take that song and package it twenty different ways. I could take a good song, a classic song, put a trap beat on it, or put a or put a you know a, put a, a reggaeton beat or whatever. You know, you right. can put anything you want over it. A good song is a good song. So I think that's kind of personally what keeps me feeling optimistic about the future of music and like where genres can go is that a good song can last, you know, it can last right. long after anyone is, you know, gone. And that's, that gets back to the legacy complex. It's like right. the same, same idea. It's like, that can be your, you know, your big thing, you know, writing that one, 
well, even if it's one, you know, one that makes it through. So. Right. I agree, man. Well, this is awesome. I just want to say thanks uh, for talking to me, Kevin. I hope you're doing well. Thank and, you, Ruben. Uh, Thank you, man. It's a privilege to be on. What's the best way for people to support you right now? Um, check out, well, I have a pretty good deal on Bandcamp. You can get, I think it's my 45 plus releases. I think it's like $15. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. And you can, I would recommend people do that. And I, I would recommend if this is coming out, um, tomorrow, tomorrow or this, yeah. before Friday, I would recommend, um, please, you know, maybe purchase on Bandcamp Friday. Cause I get more of that money. That'd be right. great. There you go. Also, well, just show your friends. I have so much stuff. Make playlists. There's so much music. There's so much shit to dig through of mine um, that it's like a weird, bad record collection. There's something right. that you're going to like, though. There's right, something right. that you're going to like. It's like just the dollar stop. bin at the thrift store. There's a That's exactly what yeah, it is. It's the yeah. fucking dollar bin, Ruben. And you got <laughs> you to gotta dig in there, and there's going to be something. It's going to be worth your while because it's cheap. It's affordable. And it's going to be your thing. You know, nobody really knows about it. So it'll be our little secret kind of thing. I love it. I love it, man. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait to dig through that bin. I have been prepping. I have been listening to you prepping. No, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. There's so much and I I love it, man. There's a lot of it, but there's a, there's a good best people who want to take an entry. Also, I would recommend on my band camp, there's something called the best of the RBG 25. Oh, which is essentially is 25 of the best songs from that year. Rado helped me curate it a little bit. Cool. Um, Sam France of the album cover. Cool. Um, it's very, it's a very great mix of, of songs from that year. And uh, that's a great place to start. So anybody wanting to look for a great place to just like delve into the 25, the best of album, which is only on Bandcamp, is, is definitely worth checking out. Oh yeah. Well, sweet man. Thank you so much. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks so much for having me.